tonight, if you will, and turn to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings, chapter number 20. I'm going to be honest with you. I wrestled with the Lord a little bit about this message. I, uh, here we are, December the 15th. I really wanted to bring a Christmas message tonight. And I think I, think I will bring a Christmas message on Sunday if the Lord gives the green light. But I wanted to bring one tonight, but uh, the Lord, it, it just wasn't the Lord's will. And, and so I hope you'll hear me out tonight as I talk about the God of the valley. That seemed to be the direction the Lord was leading tonight. I, I sure hope we can be a help and encouragement to someone tonight. And so 1 Kings chapter 20, and when you find your place, if you're able to stand, uh, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. And I, I wish I had the time just to read the whole chapter because it's such a great chapter, and I encourage you to go back and, and read it in your devotions. But for the sake of, of time tonight, we'll just read about seven verses tonight. First Kings chapter number 20, and look with me, if you will, to verse number 21, and we'll read down through verse number 28. And the Bible says, And the king of Israel went out and smote the horses and chariots and slew the Syrians with a great slaughter. And the prophet came to the king of Israel and said unto him, Go strengthen thyself and mark and see what thou doest. For at the return of the year, the king of Syria will come up against thee. And the servants of the king of Syria said unto him, Their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore they were stronger than we. But let us fight against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. And do this thing, take the kings away, every man out of his place, and put captains in their rooms, and number thee an army like the army that thou hast lost, horse for horse and chariot for chariot, and we will fight against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. And he hearkened under their voice and did so. And it came to pass at the return of the year that Ben-Hadad numbered the Syrians and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were numbered and were all present and went against them. And the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids. But the Syrians filled the country. And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Wow. You may be seated tonight. By the way, it's good to see some folks back tonight. It's good to see Brother Allen back over here tonight, Lydia, and, and I saw Miss Heather come in tonight. And I should never start mentioning names. Good to see Miss Christine sitting back there. And... Uh, We've had some folks that have been away for a little while, and so if you're one of those, we are glad to see you tonight. Thank you for, thank you for being here. I want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight about the God of the valley, the God of the valley. Boy, I'm glad he's the God of the valley tonight. And uh, we're going to talk about valleys tonight, and, uh, but I believe that you'll be encouraged by the time we're done. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to help us, and we'll jump quickly into this Bible study tonight. Father, thank you for this time that we have together tonight, and Lord, I just appreciate our Wednesday night service. It's unique. It's different than Sunday, and it's supposed to be. And 
Uh, Father, we just thank you for midweek service and thank you for giving us this uh, service right in the middle of the week where we can come together as, as uh, your church and your children and your family and uh, encourage one another and, and uh, Lord, be encouraged through the music and the fellowship and the, the preaching and teaching of the Word of God tonight. Lord, I believe this. I believe that you have a very special message for someone tonight. Now, maybe for one individual, but Lord, I also uh, am reminded that you said your word never returns void. So that means that uh, everybody, I believe, is going to get something tonight. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll knit our hearts together. I pray you'll teach us a great truth. And I pray more than anything that Jesus Christ will receive honor and praise and glory, for he is most certainly deserving and Father, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth, save the lost, and encourage the saved, and give us strength now, please. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Well, the Syrian people were a very superstitious and idolatrous people. And we didn't read this part tonight, although I wanted to, but if you read the, the uh, total chapter, chapter number 20, you'll find out that the Assyrians or Syrians have previous, previously lost one battle with Israel already. The prophet reminds them they're gonna come back. Get ready because they're gonna come back. They're not done, they're gonna come back. But they've already lost one battle. And the reason I bring that out is because it's a battle which they should have easily won. The Assyrian army should have easily, easily won this battle against the Israelites. And the reason is because the Syrian army far outnumbered the Israelites. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Look in your scripture, 1 Kings chapter 20, verse number 10. Uh, so Ben-Hadad is the Assyrian king, and he comes, to, uh, he comes to Ahab, which by the way, Ahab's nothing to brag about either. Ahab's pretty, pretty wicked himself. Uh, but he is the king of Israel. And Ben-Hadad comes to uh, Ahab and says, uh, I'm getting ready to come. I'm going to take your wives. I'm going to take your children. I'm going to take your gold. I'm going to take your silver. And Ahab answers back and says, it's yours to take. Uh, we won't fight against that. And so, uh, and, and then Ben-Hadad, so prideful, sends word back again and says, oh, by the way, I'm sending my messengers to Israel, to Samaria, and he said, they're going to come, and they're going to come into your house. They're going to come into your palace. They're going to see anything they think that might be pleasurable to you. They're going to take that too. And so uh, Ahab and the Israelites send word back and say, we're not, we're not going to stand for this. And, and so Ben-Hadad basically sends word back and says, well, get ready because I'm, I'm getting ready to come, and, and we're going to annihilate you. Now look at 1 Kings chapter 20, verse number 10. And Ben-Hadad sent unto him and said, the gods do so unto me and more also, look at this, if the dust of Samaria shall suffice for handfuls for all the people that follow me. In other words, he said, I'm getting ready to come back with an army like the sand of the seas. Now on top of that, if you read 1 Kings chapter 20, you'll find that, uh, that Ben-Hadad had joined in with 32 other wicked kings and so not only are the Assyrians involved in this, but, but other nations outside, they've sort of got a United Nations thing going on. And so they're all coming against Israel. And so there's this huge army, like the sand of the sea, that's getting ready to come against Israel. Now, just to show you how 
outnumbered Israel is, look at 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse 15. <laughs> it's almost humorous. Then he, talking about Ahab, then he numbered the young men of the princes of the provinces, and they were 232. And after them, he numbered all the people, even all the children of Israel being 7,000. And so, What the Bible is painting us a picture here is that the Assyrian army has far outnumbered the Israelites. Now, you say, preacher, how bad was it? Well, look, if you will, at 1 Kings 20, verse number 27. The Bible says, and the children of Israel were numbered and were all present and went against them. Look at this. And the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids. (laughs) Now, that's not talking about kids like your kids. That's talking about these little kids of goats. Uh, But the Bible says, but the Syrians filled the country. And yet we find here that God gives Israel an amazing victory over the Syrians. When the Syrians uh, watch Israel win the battle, they formed a very worldly conclusion. And this was what they thought. They said this, the God of the Israelites must be the God of the mountain, but not the God of the valley. Look at it, if you will, verse number 23. And the servants of the king of Syria said unto him, their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger than we. That's why they were stronger than we are. But let us fight against them in the plain. And surely we will be stronger than they. Skip down to verse number 25. And number thee an army like the army that thou hast lost, horse for horse and chariot for chariot, and we will fight against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. And he hearkened under their voice and did so. And by the way, he lost again. Now, again, I want you to see the point here tonight. They formed a conclusion that God was the God of the mountain. But God was not the God of the valley. By the way, that wasn't true. And it's not true today either. You understand that there are many that have formed that same opinion about God even today. That God is surely the God of the mountain. But somehow he is not the God of the valley. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, this is sort of a a teaching and a mentality that's going around in our society nowadays that says this, that if you're on the mountain, God is blessing. But if you're in the valley, God must be withholding his blessing. In fact, there are a lot of religious leaders that are teaching that message and preaching that message today. We call it the, uh, we call it the prosperity gospel, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. And basically, they say this, that, it, that if you're really right with God, that you're going to be blessed, blessed, blessed. You're going to be rich. You're going to be wealthy. You're going to be healthy. I mean, your, your family's going to be blessed. All your kids are going to be well. You're going to graduate from college. You're going to be a, uh, you know, you're going to be a, 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 a A-plus student. And I mean, your car's never going to break down and your roof's never going to leak and the dog's never going to get sick and everything's going to be great as long as you are in favor of God, you know, because God is the God of the mountain. And if, as long as you're in, in the, uh, the will of God, that you're never going to be in the valley. But I'm going to tell you something, church, that is anti-Bible. God is the God of the mountain. And we all enjoy being on the mountain. 
We all enjoy being up there where it's crystal clear and everything's going great. And uh, as I said just a moment ago, but the truth of the matter is, if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I am not on the mountain. I am in the valley. In fact, I'm in the deepest valley. I'm in the lowest valley that I've ever been. And, 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 and I've heard this some too. Some people have said, Preacher, uh, what, what is it that I've done? What have I done? Why is God punishing me? I'm in, this, I'm in this dark, dark valley. Understand something. That's the same, and I understand that folks don't know sometimes, but that's the same mentality the Assyrians had. That God is the God of the mountain. He's not the God of the valley. I want to tell you something, church. God is the God on the mountaintop, but the same God is the same God in the valley. Now, I want to take just a few minutes tonight, if I could, and I want to talk to you about valleys and I want to give you some lessons tonight on valleys, and I, I believe this will help someone tonight. How about this? Number one, we notice this, that valleys are unavoidable. Valleys are unavoidable. Someone said it like this, and this may not sound very optimistic, but someone said it like this, if you're not headed out of a valley, you're headed into one. And remember this, that optimism does not deny reality. It's an attitude in which one deals with reality. So if you're going through the valley, that doesn't mean you're not optimistic. Optimism just says this, I'm in the valley, but I'm going to deal with it. I don't like where I am. I wish I wasn't here. I, 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 I don't wish this upon anybody else. But since I'm here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God to bring me through. G.K. Chesterton said it like this, one sees great things from the valley. Only small things from the peak. Now, you know what? Some of you, you'll get this on a slow train tomorrow. But don't, man, man. And it took me several times to get that. But think about this. One sees great things from the valley. Only small things from the peak. Someone said if there was a road sign that defined life, it might read this. Caution, valley ahead. A lot of truth to that in there. You know, my, my wife and I, we never, we never dreamed that we'd ever be taking this many trips to California, and, uh, but we never dreamed that our grandbabies would be living in California either. So that changes everything. And so uh, now we're making more, uh, you know, more trips to California than ever before. But I can remember, I can remember the first time that we ever flew out west. And, uh, and, and some of you folks, maybe, you, maybe you've traveled a lot and it's not a big deal to you. But for us, it was amazing. I mean, when we first flew out west and we were, uh, we were like, a, a, like a, little, a bunch of little kids, had our nose pressed up against the window in the airplane. And we were like, man, look at that, look at that. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, just to fly over the desert, the Mojave Desert. And, and although it's one of the smallest deserts in the world, Man, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's incredible to see the, the desert, to fly over the Grand Canyon, uh, uh, to fly over so many places, in, in, even still to this day in America, where there's no roads and there's no lights. And I mean, it's just, it's just an amazing thing. And every time, just about every time that we fly across, across the country, I always think about those early explorers. You ever do that? 
Man, every time we fly across the country and, and uh, you know, you start out east where we are and it's green and lush and, and there's trees everywhere. And then the, the further west you go, the, the browner it gets and the less green it is. And before you know it, there's not a lot of trees. There's a lot of sand, a lot of scrubs and things like that. And, uh, but we, we, we fly over some of those, uh, those canyons and we fly over some of those rivers. And, and I'm thinking about guys like, like Lewis and Clark, and I'm thinking about those, those old wagon trains. Good night. Can you imagine what that would have been like to travel from North Carolina to California in a covered wagon? I can't, I can't, honestly, church, I'm going to tell you something. I can't even imagine. I mean, not even thinking about the Indians and the fear of Indians. I'm just talking about the terrain. Can you imagine trying to take a covered wagon with a few mules, your kids, your wife? Can you imagine trying to, to somehow maneuver across the country in a covered wagon with all the hills and the mountains and the rivers and the forest and the swamps and the valleys? Did you know those folks that traveled across the country, they just knew this. They knew that valleys we're an expected part of the trip. It would be ridiculous for some of those families to think, boy, I hope we never see a valley. Oh, you're going to see a valley. You're going to see some hard terrain. You're going to see some things you don't want to see. And I thought about that. Did you know that valleys are a part of our expected trip as well? Somebody says, boy, preach, I don't have, you know, I love Jesus. That's wonderful. But I'm going to tell you something, valleys are going to come. You say, Pastor, I'm reading my Bible and I'm reading it faithfully. Good for you. Don't you stop. But valleys are still going to come. You say, Pastor, I'm trying to cultivate a walk with God and I'm trying to walk with Jesus in prayer. And, uh, I, I, and, and, and Pastor, we're being more faithful to church now than we've ever been in our life. That's wonderful. And I applaud you and you keep on doing that. But I'm just telling us that God is not just the God of the mountain. God's the God of the valleys. And you can walk with Jesus and you can pray and you can read your Bible and you can go to Sunday school and you can be involved in a ministry and you can cross every, every fundamental T and, and, and dot every fundamental eye, but I'm just telling us that you can just go ahead and put it down that valleys are going to be a part of life. They're going to come. John 16, 33, our Lord said it like this. These things I have spoken unto you that in me, ye might have peace in the world. ye shall have tribulation. But the Lord said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. The psalmist said in Psalm 30, verse number five, for his anger endureth but a moment in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Come on, church. Get with me tonight. You say, Pastor, I think, I, I think I'm quitting. Why are you quitting? Because we're just going through an, an unbelievable valley. Did you think, really, did you think that you would go through life and you would never hit a valley? Valleys are unavoidable. Doesn't matter if you're a preacher, doesn't matter if you're a deacon, doesn't matter if you're a Sunday school teacher, doesn't matter if you're a mom or a dad, or doesn't matter if, if your family seems to have it all together, doesn't matter if you've got a great job or a wonderful business or, or you're making tons of money or it just seems like everything's going for you. I'm just telling us that valleys are going to come. 
They're a part of life. And you know what? When we, when we come to that and we realize that that's true, when a valley overtakes us, it doesn't surprise us. Valleys are going to come. I mean, valleys are going to come. And so number one, valleys are unavoidable. But number two, I wrote this down, valleys are unpredictable. Did you know it's, not, it's simply not possible to go from peak to peak without traveling through a valley? And oftentimes, and I know y'all know this, you don't need me to tell you this, but oftentimes when you go through a valley, you go through a valley when you least expect it. <laughs> you ever been doing this? You ever been making a call on your phone? And you're just, everything's, <laughs> this has even happened to me. Man, I'm on a phone call. I'm just talking away. And I dropped the call about three minutes ago. <laughs> and I'm just talking, talking. I say, hey, what, what do you think about that? <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> and I'm thinking, how long have I been talking to a dead, a dead phone? <laughs> Now, you know what happened? You know what happened? I was, everything was going great. We were conversing and fellowshipping and everything was going great, but I went through a valley. And when I went through this valley, I lost signal and it dropped the call. Listen, uh, valleys are unpredictable. And Calvary Baptist Church, that's why it is so important that you and I stay close to the Lord because since we don't know when those valleys are going to come and we don't know when those difficulties are going to come and we don't know when death is going to come and we don't know when sickness is going to come and we don't know when that loss of a job is going to come, it is imperative that you and I walk close to our Heavenly Father for when that valley comes. Thank God he's there to help us. I was on my way one time to, uh, uh, I was on my way to a, a, a funeral way up in the sticks. I'm telling you, man, it was so far back in the sticks. This, this is the truth. These people have to go toward town to go deer hunting. I mean, that's the truth. And, and so I leave Statesville and it's way, it's way off. And I punch in my GPS and my GPS is doing great, man. It's just taking me, you know, and turn here, go here. And I'm following that GPS and I'm, I'm about, literally, I'm about, 10 minutes from the church. But that 10 minutes is crucial. And you know what happened? I got in the valley. And my phone said, you have lost signal. And I, you ever talk to your phone? You ever do that? And, I, and I'm like, don't you leave me now. Don't you leave me now. And Man, I had to get there. I had to preach this funeral. And, and, and I'm thinking, man, what in the world am I going to do? How am I, I going to find my way? And my phone just sort of, it just sort of left me hanging. You know why? Because I went through a valley. You say, preacher, why'd you tell that story? I'll tell you why I told that story. Because your phone may let you down. Your cell service may let you down. Your device may let you down. But I've got some great news, Calvary Baptist Church. Your God will never let you down. He's always there. He's there on the mountaintop. He's there when everything is great. He's there when you got plenty of money. He's there when you're feeling good. He's there when everything is well. But I'm telling you, when you get in the deepest, darkest valley of your life, and you don't understand it, and it was unpredictable, and you didn't see it coming. I got some great news. He's there. He's there in that same valley. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse number five, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That means no matter how dark the valley may be, how long the valley may be, thank God he's there with me. Man, it was worth coming tonight, wasn't it? Valleys are unavoidable. Valleys are unpredictable. How about this one, church? Valleys are unprejudiced. What do you mean, pastor? Sometimes we get the inkling that we're the only one. Why me? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You know, I mean, just, we, we, and we think we're the only one experiencing a valley. Now, would you turn over with me to Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm, Psalm 73? I want you to see this tonight because this is so good. This will help you. Most of the Psalms were written by David. But there's a few of the Psalms written by a man by the name of Asaph. And Asaph was the, uh, he was a sort of the music director. It's like Brother Brandon. He was uh, served with, with uh, David, and he was the music director of Israel, if you want to say it that way. And, and we notice here that the psalmist Asaph, and I don't know all that's going on, but we notice the psalmist Asaph begins to feel like this. He feels like, you know, he's the only one that's going through a valley. And, and then on top of that, he, he feels like the wicked never go through a valley. So look what he says in Psalm 73, verse number 2. Asaph says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Look what he says in verse three. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. And they are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, as people return hither, waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? And Asaph says, behold, these are the ungodly who, who what? Who? prosper in the world they increase in riches man that's a scary place to to get you know what asaph said lord why am i going through this lord why do the why do the righteous suffer and it seems like the wicked sometimes everything's great for them well number one everything's not great for them number two Judgment day's coming. So here you are trying to live for Jesus, and man, you're doing your best to make ends meet, and sometimes you got more month than you got money. You're trying to be faithful in a ministry. You're trying to serve in the hospitality team. You're singing in the choir. You're coming to choir practice. You're reading your Bible. And yet it seems like sometimes you have such a hard time. And then you look out here, and it just seems like the world's just footloose and fancy free. And if we're not careful, it's easy for us to, to sort of feel like that, 
We're the only one. And I want to tell you tonight, church, it doesn't matter who you are. No one's exempt. Valleys are going to come. They're going to come to the righteous. They're going to come to the wicked. And they're going to come to the rich. And they're going to come to the poor. They're going to come to everybody. My wife and I, we were watching the other night. We were watching a documentary. It was, it was so neat. And this documentary was on a fellow by the name of C.W. Post from the uh, Post Serial. And this was back in the, I mean, this was back at the turn of the century. And it went into how C.W. Post began to make his cereal, and it just, and, and, and cereal was really something that had never been thought of. They didn't even know what Frosted Flakes was back in that day and time, or Cheerios, or whatever the case. And so he, he came up with cereal, and he's producing cereal. Listen to this. C.W. Post in 1914 was worth $33 million. In 1914, now I, I looked it up, and, and if I've got my math right, that is equivalent to $858 million today. And yet, do you know how C.W. Post left this world? He shot himself. He had mansions. He had houses all over the place. The finest uh, clothes that money could buy. He had servants, butlers, bakers, uh, maids. He had all those things. And yet, C.W. Post died by committing suicide. And I thought, you know what? Valleys are unprejudiced. They come to everybody. I don't know that there's anybody like this, and I don't know if there's anybody watching a live stream like this, but somebody says, Preacher, ever since, we, ever since we got out of church, everything's great. Well, I hate to tell you this. If you're in church, you're going to have a valley. But if you leave church, get ready. It's coming. Because he's not just the God of the mountain. He's the God of the valley. And valleys are going to come. Valleys are unavoidable. Valleys are unpredictable. Valleys are unprejudiced. And we're done tonight. But I love this. I love this point. Valleys are underrated. What do you mean, Pastor? You know, normally when we think about valleys, we think about negative. We associate bad with valley. I'm going through the valley. We associate valleys possibly with even punishment from God. But the truth is, Calvary, at times, valleys are just what we need. <laughs> you say, preacher, how can you say that? Because it's true. <laughs> we, don't need, we don't need a constant mountaintop. Sometimes valleys are incredibly important to Christian growth. Now, we're done, but I'm, before you close your Bibles, I want you to turn to two places, and we're done tonight. Turn over, first of all, to the book of James. James chapter number one in your Bibles, and look at verse number, uh, verse number two. James chapter one, and look at verse number two. Valleys are underrated. Man, we need, listen, we need valleys. James chapter number one, look at verse number two. The Bible says, my brethren, it's talking to Christian people here, my brethren, James one, verse two, my brethren, count it all joy. When things are going great. <laughs> it's not what it says, is it? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Knowing this, 
that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Perfect and entire. What's that talking about? It's, ta- it's talking about you living a, a completed Christian life. Not that you're going to be perfect from sin, but you live a completed Christian life. You live that, that victorious Christian life. Somebody says, so-and-so is living that victorious Christian life, and yet he's going through the valley. That's right. And that's exactly what the Bible's teaching there. Now turn over one more place. I want you to turn over a few more pages to the right. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1. And look at verse number 6. 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 6. Peter says to these Gentile Christians, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Look at verse 7. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Man, church, are y'all getting this? You know what God is saying? That valley that you're going through is more precious than gold. You know why? Because God is doing something in your life, something that's going to ultimately and eventually bring praise and glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone said it's the intense pressure that turns ugly, rough carbon into a beautiful diamond. I love this statement. Winston Churchill said this, mountaintops inspire leaders, but valleys mature them. And you can, you can close your Bible, but one of the greatest things, I wrote this down, one of the greatest things about valleys is that usually the valley is the place where you get to know the Lord. None of us like to go there. But I'm so glad for this little verse in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1. And when the writer wrote this book, of course, it was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1, Jesus said this, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Someone says, preacher, I'm going through a valley. Why is God punishing me? Listen, it may not be God punishing you. It's just valleys are just unavoidable. And so while you're going through that valley, let God do his perfect work. Man, I found this little story. Can I share it with you? This is so good. Hear me out and we're done. A young girl went to her grandmother and told her about her life and how things were so hard for her. She did not know how she was going to make it and wanted to give up. She was tired of fighting and struggling. It seemed that as one problem was solved, a new one arose. Her grandmother took her to the kitchen. She filled three pots with water and placed each on a high fire. Soon the pots came to a boil. In the first, she placed carrots. In the second, she placed eggs. And in the last, she placed ground coffee beans. She let them sit and boil without saying a word. In about 20 minutes, she turned off the burners. 
She fished the carrots out and placed them in a bowl. She pulled the eggs out and placed them in a bowl. Then she ladled the coffee out and placed it in a bowl. Turning to her granddaughter, she asked, tell me, what do you see? Carrots? Eggs? Coffee, the young girl replied. The grandmother brought her closer and asked her to feel the carrots. She did and noted that they were soft. She then asked her to take an egg and break it. After pulling off the shell, she observed the hard-boiled egg. Finally, she asked her to sip the coffee. The granddaughter smiled as she tasted its rich aroma. The granddaughter then asked, what does it mean, grandmother? Her grandmother explained that each of these objects had faced the same adversity, boiling water, but each reacted differently. The carrot went in strong, hard, and unrelenting. However, after being subjected to the boiling water, it softened and became weak. The egg had been fragile. Its, its thin outer shell had protected its liquid interior. But after sitting through the boiling water, its inside became hardened. The ground coffee beans were unique, however. After they were in the boiling water, they changed the water completely. Which are you? The grandmother asked her granddaughter. When adversity knocks on your door, how do you respond? Are you a carrot, an egg, or a coffee bean? Wow. I'm glad I came to church tonight. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house tonight? Valleys. I wish it weren't so. But valleys are a part of life. Unavoidable. Some of the best people go through them. You may be here tonight. You may be going going through one right now. And you say, Brother Steve, I never saw it coming. I mean, it totally, totally surprised me. Everything was great. We were on the peak. And all of a sudden, the valley came. And the devil likes valleys as well because that's when he likes to do his work and it's during the valley sometimes that the devil will come and the devil will say God's not fair and Jesus is not good and if God was so good God wouldn't let you go through that valley and the enemy will come and the enemy will try his best to get you to quit and to get discouraged and to throw in the towel to let bitterness creep in And this is all that I believe the Lord's trying to say tonight. Church, valleys are just a part of life. They're going to come. And so here's what we've got to do. We've got to walk close to the Lord so we can get through it. Real quickly tonight, I wonder if there may be one here this evening, anywhere would say, preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I would go to heaven And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. Is there one like that here tonight? Can I pray for you? I see that little hand. Is there another? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. 
would you pray for me? You'd slip up your hand. How many are here tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed? And you'd say, preacher, you didn't even know, but the Lord knew. I'm going through one of those long ones right now, one of those long valleys. I'm wondering when I'm going to come out of it. And if I've ever needed prayer, preacher, if I've ever needed prayer, I need prayer right now. Pastor, would you remember me? With heads bowed and eyes closed, you just slip your hand up right now and say, Preacher, pray for me today. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Quite a few hands, quite a few hands. Quite a few folks still raising hands. Yep, yep, yep. Amen. Amen. Hey, church, let's do business with the Lord tonight. I don't think there's anybody here tonight, but if there is one here tonight who has been tempted to quit, I'm going to ask you to slip down to this old-fashioned altar tonight. I'm going to ask you to make a fresh commitment to the Lord. Even though you may be right smack dab in the heart of the valley, I'm going to make you to make a fresh, I'm going to ask you to make a fresh commitment to Jesus tonight. So would you stand with us all over the house, Father? Thank you for teaching us the truth tonight. Lord, valleys are a part of life. Unpredictable, unavoidable, unprejudiced. And Lord, yes, underrated. Lord, it's how you make gold out of us sometimes. Father, would you encourage that one that's discouraged tonight? Lord, would you remind them that you never leave us, you never forsake us? That even though the valley is deep right now, you're going you're gonna to walk through that valley with us. Oh, yes. Father, please, tonight, may tonight be an encouragement. Lord, this message is not going to bring anybody out of the valley, but, but maybe it will encourage them and let them and remind them that, thank God, you are not just the God on the mountain. You are right there in the valley with us. So, Lord, have your way. Bless the live stream. Have your way tonight, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And folks are coming. Folks are doing business with the Lord. If you're here tonight, you need to come. The altars are open. If you're watching the live stream with us tonight, we're so honored to have you aboard. There's a number on the bottom of your screen. 704-327-5662 and we have a great family that's right by the phone right now and they're waiting to receive your call if you'll call that number we would love to pray with you tonight whatever your need may be we'd love to pray with you tonight if you need Christ we'd love to pray with you if you need prayer if you're going through a valley right now we would love to pray with you would you call? would you call? Father, would you work in hearts tonight? Lord, folks don't have to use the altar necessarily, but there's just something, there's just something really sacred and special about an old-fashioned altar. And I'm thankful for these that are using the altar tonight. Oh, Lord. I believe if we've ever needed encouragement, we need it right now. And so, Lord, we're so thankful that you're the God of all comfort. Right now, Holy Spirit, would you give encouragement 
Lord, would you remind us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Father, help us to keep our eyes upon the Lord. Lord, I know for, for many, Christmas time is a, uh, it's a tough time. It's a tough time. And it's tough for some of our people. But Lord, I pray that you'll see them through this Christmas. And Holy Ghost, I pray that you'll be that need meter, need filler that they need during this time. Lord, I pray you'll continue to work. I pray for these little hands, these young hands that were raised tonight about salvation. I pray, Heavenly Father, you'll save them when they reach that age of accountability. I pray you'll save their soul. Lord, bless those that are watching the live stream that have a need tonight. Work in their hearts, please. And we thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name.